morning and uh, just with everything it's been such a good morning and we are glad you're joining us and uh, you're here with us this morning actually I am super excited I've been pinned down behind a table and chair for way too long and next Sunday because of our live service I get to actually roam again and uh, well yeah I know I've had a stool off and on after my accident a couple years ago I had to recover but I really like to walk around and it helps me get invigorated and I'm excited about next Sunday and I hope you are too in fact today we'll talk a little bit about that and before I do anything though let's just bow our heads and pray Heavenly Father would you be with us <laughs> would you add to the anointing of your word God uh, would you carry everything that I say and just help me to speak your truth. Help me to be loving as you would be, gentle as you would be, but convicting that leads to repentance, which leads to life. Oh God, flow into what I'm about to say. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. On the way to work, I think it was on Thursday, I was driving up from on 100th heading up towards the church and I, I went past Humpty's on the right and uh, uh, then you get up to the very last light, well it's second last light, leaving town I guess, where the speed change to 80 and I was in the left lane and there was a truck and a car in front of me and when we got to the, in fact in the 60 zone the truck in the front was doing 50, when we got to the 80 zone he kept doing 50. Now the car behind him got annoyed and began to tailgate him. Well, the guy in the front, I could see he did brake checking. You know what that is? He, he set on his brakes, set on his brakes. Don't be so close behind me. Well, the guy got closer. He didn't get further away. And all of a sudden, unexpectedly, the pickup truck slammed his brakes on, came to a stop, put it in park, got out of his truck to come talk to the guy in the car. I sat there for a moment and I thought, should I get involved in this? And I thought, no, checked in my spirit. I went into the right lane and drove on. But as I was driving away, I, I thought to myself, if I would have stopped and got involved, what would I have said? Because the guy going 50 in an 80 zone, he shouldn't have been doing that. The guy tailgating, he shouldn't have been doing that. So what would I say? Who would I side with? What would I agree to do? And therein I kind of is the problem with a lot of conflict or a lot of opinion today. There's lots of opinion based upon point of view. And I just want to say, be so careful of that. Now, don't get me wrong. As a follower of Christ, I have a point of view, and it does influence me. But be so very careful with your point of view. Would you have sided with the guy that was being tailgated? Or would you side with the guy that felt he wasn't going fast enough in the zone? And again, let's just be very careful as we kind of walk into a lot of these waters, as we post on social media what we're saying. And uh, believe me, I, I've posted stuff and regretted it. And, and I thought I did my research. I thought I made sure my stuff was accurate. I made sure it presented the way I wanted it to. But in the end, as I got reaction, I've pulled down my posts. Sometimes I don't pull down my post. Sometimes I say I'm okay with that reaction. But I say all this to say as we go into the topic for today, and the topic is preparing, 
And you might say, preparing for what? Preparing to come back to church. And so as you're preparing to come back to church, I just want to lay down some hopefully biblical guidelines that will help you, kind of get you to a good, solid, biblical truth point. And I, I want to tell you, I have been praying so feverishly about this message. Even this morning, I was going over points with the Lord because I don't want to say um, trigger words that just get you riled up. I want us to look at who our God is and what the word of God says. And so in that said, uh, in that case, uh, I want to say and start out with just sort of a good foundational thought before we go anywhere. And it comes from Hebrews 13, 8 and 9. And, and I want to say, even though we're in tough COVID-19 times, even though it feels like nothing will change, I am assured that this too will come to an end. But right now, it feels like it's not going to end. In fact, I think it's the open-endedness that really drives us crazy because we're planners, we're schemers in North America. We don't know. It just changes every day, every week. Hebrews 13, 8, listen to this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, it gets even better, verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of of strange teachings. Now, I know the background of Hebrews, and I know that there was people that were saying, Christ has already returned. I know that within the church there was, oh, I'll call them people full of fear and people full of uh, anger and different things, and, and, and they were just causing troubles. And the writer to Hebrews wanted people to understand Jesus never changes. So yeah, the future is unknown. We don't know where we're going. I mean, you read the media much and you would think the apocalypse is coming. We will never have normal again and this is the new normal. And I just want to say to you, Jesus is the same forever. Don't be dragged off by all kinds of strange teachings. Be really careful. So how do we navigate these changes? And these are changes that are very concerning. Here's the answer, and I think it's very simple. Here's the How do we navigate changes? We need to hear God. I want to hopefully give you a little picture of who God is. I want you to understand his heart and understand why we're at where we're at and how we can kind of plug into that presence of Jesus. And I want to focus on three things, three kind of I'll call them reactions, emotions, and believe you me, some people have given 10, some have given two, but I've seen kind of three reactions during this COVID-19 time. There's been fear, there's been anger, and a third one, which lots of people give different names, but I call it indifference, or the reluctant returnees, or the reluctant people that gather together. But first and foremost, let's talk about fear. And laying down fear, let's be really clear. Isaiah 43, 1 to 6 says, but now this is what the Lord says. Again, Isaiah's the prophets dealing with the nation that's full of fear. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, and I'll say, you follower of Christ, you Canadian, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Listen to this carefully. When you pass through the waters, now think about Israel passing through waters, leaving Egypt, I will be with you. 
And when you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, I could go into lots of preaching, kind of the route to that, and, you know, three guys getting thrown into flames, and there was a fourth guy showing up. I mean, we could talk about rivers they went through. We could talk about oceans that didn't devour them. Don't overread this passage. But basically what it's saying, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though it might seem like even if you're dying, even if you're getting old, even if you're young and you're just not feeling good or you're emotionally broken down, God is with you. Don't be afraid. I want to be honest and blunt. Nothing has really changed. We still die. Yeah, Christians die too. There are evil people in this world. Always has been, always will be. There's been disease in the world since the fall of man. Nothing has changed. Absolutely, and understand this, absolutely nothing happens without God being there. Absolutely nothing happens without God being there. So if fear in your heart, doesn't matter if it's because of COVID or something else, if fear is overwhelming you, take these actions, and I pull these mostly out of Philippians 4, but first and foremost, give your fear. Talk to God, hear to God. Give your fear, your anxiety to God. Say, God, I'm anxious, I'm fearful. Release it to him. And then secondly, after you've released it and you've sat there and you've Ask God to just give you understanding. Ask him why you're so afraid. Ask him why you're so afraid. What has just stirred me out? What's the root to it? Oh, fear is like manifest on the surface and it comes out in arguments and, and justifications. And, but just confess and admit to God, I am fearful and ask him to reveal the root. And when he reveals the root, when you get right down to it, ask for healing. Now, you guys know my story. I had claustrophobia, and I went to Rising Above, and yeah, they do charge a little bit for this. They've got to cover their expenses. And in the process, I began to understand or realize where the claustrophobia came from. I admitted it to God. I confessed it to him and asked for his healing. And it wasn't until six months later, flying to Florida in a jam-packed plane, which used to give me incredible fear, which, by the way, turned to anger. But I had this fear, and I flew six months later, and when we landed in Orlando, Florida, my wife turned to me and said, that was the most pleasant flight I've had in years. And I'm like, what? You weren't afraid. You, you didn't have that overwhelming claustrophobia. It was so nice. This is our God. He wants to reveal to you where the root to things are, and he wants to heal you, and he wants to transform you. So take that journey. And then, of course, once that's gone through, just stop and receive his peace. I mean, even raise up your arms and say, God, I, I, I need your healing, and I want your peace that passeth all understanding. And then finally in Philippians 4 it says, focus on what's true. Don't get obsessed with what are lies or what ifs or, you know, deal in realities, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is praiseworthy. As we continue, let me ask a simple question. Will heaven have fear? Think about it. Will heaven have fear and why not? Well, there's no longer going to be death. Evil's going to be vanquished. God's going to be there. 
let me just be really blunt here. Fear is not rooted in God. Oh, I know what evolutionists say. You know, the fight or flight, and that's kind of, I would say, part of the fall, that we literally are terrified. We're, we're masters of our own design, and since the fall, we, we struggle with this thing to be God and to be in control, and so there's a lot of fear out there because there's a lot of unknown and things. Uh, but before man fell in the Garden of Eden and became self-focused, I don't believe fear existed. I mean, what would we be afraid of? Death? Evil? Of course not. And I don't believe fear comes from God. In fact, as we read scriptures, we know that God is the God of peace. So take those simple Philippians 4 steps. Okay, point number two. I, I see fear, people afraid of getting COVID, people afraid of evil, uh, fear of control, fear of that other people are going to uh, do things to them and infect them. That's not from God. But secondly, I see a lot of anger out there. And let me be clear about anger. Anger is generally a secondary emotion. Like fear having roots, anger has roots too. It is often said that the root to fear is, uh, let's say, for example, you grew up in an abusive, controlling home where your parents basically were selfish and self-centered and they controlled you and it was all about you serving them and being their slaves and they were just so unbelievably tough on you. So you come out of that environment and you go, I'm never going to let anybody control me again. And what happens? When you even sniff, even a slight bit of control, you go ballistic and you have fear that wells up. Oh, by the way, fear will usually justify and rationalize, well, you know, how dare Anthony or how dare Matt or, or whoever you might be thinking of, how dare they try to get control of me? How dare the government do this or that? Or let's say you were sexually abused and a guy or a girl touches you the wrong way, looks at you a certain way. I mean, you are very sensitive, and rightfully so, but that is the root to your fear. And again, just the same with, uh, with fear and then going into anger. Ask God, what's the root to it? Why am I getting so angry? <laughs> My wife reminded me this week, she said, depression ignored manifests often in fear. So there's a, a, a root or a, a, a source to fear. There's a root and a source to anger. Now let's say you were trapped in a helicopter, strapped on a stretcher, and every time you feel in a trapped location like an airplane, you just get really angry. Now you know I'm talking about my story because I was in a plane crash. They strapped me in a stretcher, and then they shoved my stretcher in the helicopter on top of the seats. So my face was an inch from the roof and I couldn't move and I was hurting. And then I was about to fly again in a helicopter. That instilled in my soul such a fear. I didn't want anybody controlling me and especially in an airplane when people would get up and they'd start gingerly taking their luggage from the overheads. And I, by the way, I started booking my seats near the front. And so, as I said, six months later, after going through a healing process, uh, we couldn't get our seats near the front, and I was a little bit, oh, how am I going to react? But my wife's reaction was, wow, what a difference. You see, because I would justify my anger. I would say, why do the people have to go so slow? 
Why can't people plan ahead? Why do they have to carry so much overhead luggage? Why are they so cheap? I mean, I could go through this verbal justification for my anger like nobody could. But the truth is, my anger was because of this kind of root kind of thing that happened to me years ago. I could go on and give you 20 more examples, but I'm not going to talk about the root to fear. Listen to Psalm 37.8. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Oh, carefully listen to this one. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Yeah, I was ready to bowl people over or the guy that was following the guy closely on his bumper, he was about to ram him. It leads to evil. Philippians 2, 1 to 8. Oh, good passage. Listen to this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. So what the passage is saying is that the God of heaven in Jesus Christ has instilled in you a love and a comfort and a passivity, a a, a lack of fear, a lack of anger. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. You see, division is so rooted in anger and fear. It's so rooted in, in our past. Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You see, we want to protect ourselves. We want to be the top dog. I read years ago that children of alcoholics, they usually have two responses. One is they become doormats. They're so afraid. They just submit and they do whatever people say. And the other kind of person, a child of an alcoholic, they become controlling I'm never going to let anybody treat me like that again. No alcoholic will ever do that to me again. It manifests throughout their whole life. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, not being filled with fear or anger, but each of you to the interests of others. Consider others. I mean, we know the scriptures talk about the weaker brother. And they have their struggles and their issues, and maybe they're not where you're at. And we're supposed to consider them. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, he had all authority, all power like God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 3. It stated it so absolutely carefully. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Let me ask you the question that I asked of in the previous point. Will heaven have fear? Will heaven have anger? Will heaven be all about me and my self-preservation and my soul wounds? Of course not. Now let me get back to that manifestation of my fear of being trapped in an airplane, the claustrophobia I have. Like I said, I would justify and talk about, and I would read, in fact, I used to read articles online about how the airline's got to fix this problem. I would want to repost them so people would smarten up. But the truth is, what is true? What is right? Is this from God? Is God the God of peace, or is he God of fear and anger? 
honestly, fear and anger are not God emotions. In one of my churches, I had a medical doctor and he did a lot of palliative care. In other words, he was with patients that would pass away. And he said he had a very interesting observation he wanted to share with me. He said non-Christians who died and knew they were about to die, they were filled with fear. They were filled with anger. They would grab them by the collar. Don't let me die. You've got to save me. And I said, oh, that's interesting. But go, no, listen to this. He said to me, he said, Christians die differently. He said, not all of them, depending where their face at. But most Christians, they would talk about visions and, and seeing angels and hearing music. And they would have a smile on their face and they would pass into glory. Are you hearing me? Are you following me? This is where Christians need to be at. This is our God. This is the one who bought and paid for you and loves you. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Third point, getting on, running out of time. Indifference or reluctant returnees. Now that seems to be the third category. Before I say anything on this topic, I want to say there are very good reasons to stay away from church. If you're in a high-risk group, stay home and watch us online. It's not ideal staying home. There's so many things that you miss, so many things that we miss, and it's not ideal, but right now it's working. We miss you horribly. And in fact, you're missing from us and exercising your God-given gifts in the church. We miss that. Yet that's okay. For a season, we will be okay, and you will survive. So with no fear and no anger, we're left with indifference. Some call this reluctant returnees. Rest assured, we're pulling out all the stops to keep you safe next week. Now, if you were to see, oh, and little observation, and I was going to tease Matt and Caleb about this. If you saw the stage, they had sort of this uh, blue color and green color. Uh, our pews are decorated in blue and green. And they're decorated that way, well, with tape to help you socially distance. In fact, we've blocked off every other pew. And we're doing this out of respect and love for people that might be a little fearful and those in high-risk groups. And we're asking people to wear masks if you're singing. Why? Because a lot of the research, as best we know today, it's the droplets when we're talking and singing, spreading to others. And so we are doing a lot of extensive trying to mitigate and keep you safe. Not to mention our government's asked us to do this. And you go, well, we can't listen to the government. No, Hebrews says we should listen to our government. The only time we don't listen to the government is when they tell us to stop sharing Jesus. And we're going to keep sharing him. We're going to share the truth. So we're taking these social distancing measures. We're having hand washing stations. We have lots of good soap in our bathrooms. And we are doing everything we can. I heard it said this week by someone in our church that they're not sure they will come back because looking at social media, some of the people in our church, they're posting stuff that this individual said, I'm afraid they're going to come to church and start sneezing and coughing all over me because they think it's this or that or the other thing. Oh my goodness, let's put others more ahead of ourselves. You have a lot of freedom. You feel this or that. But others don't necessarily feel that. And thinking about this category, this third point, 
Though there are those who found they don't miss church, and there are those, by the way, and within this category I've heard that, there's some people say, I'm not coming back because I'm kind of enjoying being at home and watching church online. I'm going to be really blunt with some of you here. Oh, I, this is a point I prayed about with the Lord this morning. And he said, well, if you explain it well, maybe they'll be okay. Again, I don't want to do trigger words here, but this is a trigger word. If you're very comfortable just staying home and watching online, I'm going to ask you a question. Is it because maybe you were just a consumer of Christianity? Ouch, eh? Let me explain what a consumer is. A consumer, it's all about me. It's not about others. You, as a consumer, are not looking for a healthy church. You're looking for what you can get out of the church. You're not saying, what can I give to this church? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't look for a healthy church, but what I'm saying is you should be looking also at what you can add to the body. I mean, that's exactly what the scriptures say. Listen to this. And I don't want to rob from coming sermons and coming weeks, but listen to Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some in the habit are of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now with technology, we can get some of that kind of spurring one another on, and we've been doing that. Good job. Even had some people come to Christ in this social distancing day. But more importantly, listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And again, this is a sermon in a couple weeks, so I don't want to preach too much about it, but listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians. Just as a body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, I don't want to read all the rest and again steal from a future sermon, but Paul goes on to explain, if the foot should say to the hand, I don't need you. It doesn't mean that the foot stops being a part of the church. So the thing that we're at greatest danger of in not coming together is we're not there helping each other. We're not exercising our God-given gifts. If the only people that showed up were the singers, the ones gifted with singing, we would just sing and sing and sing and go home. If all we had show up were all the teachers and we just had, you know, two hours of teaching and go home, well, we're all going to suffer from that. We're going to be focused and bulked up in one thing and you need to be there for us. See, so you're getting where I'm going. Maybe you don't want to come back to church because you were just a consumer. You weren't actually a part of and exercising your gifts in the church. And let me encourage you, as you come back, please start asking God, can I get plugged in somehow? Verse 27 to the Corinthians says this, now you are the body of Christ, Christ and each one of you is part of it. Again, let me stay. High-risk people, stay away. And honestly, all the argument in 1 Corinthians is about what you bring to church, not about what you get out of church, other than you get other people exercising their gifts. So we as a church, again, we're going to mitigate and diminish and reduce as much of the risk as we can. Now, I just heard in Florida and Texas, lots of infections have risen up. Most of the reports will say, and I've never heard the word church said, oh, and somebody will probably forward me one where a church had a problem. But most of the reports say because people haven't been careful about social distancing. So we're going to be wearing face masks. Oh, and you heard from Brad 
It's not required. And we're asking you to register again, not required. And we're asking you to wash your hands lots again, not required. But again, remember the person that was worried about coming to church? Oh yes, research says that masks don't protect me. So why should I wear it? That's not considering others more important than yourself. When I wear a mask, it actually protects others from me. Oh, Ben, is, are wearing masks ever a Christian thing like I've never seen before? It's about others. It's about considering others more important than yourself. Come on, wear masks. What's the big difficult thing about, oh, and I heard, I've read some of the research. I don't know, maybe some people that do the research have claustrophobia and need some healing. When I was in Florida last time, I, I saw guys driving motorbikes without helmets on. Now, three years earlier when I saw that, I went, man, I'd love to drive a motorbike without a helmet. You know my story. I was in an accident, and if I wouldn't have been wearing a helmet, well, I, honestly, I wouldn't be here today. So I saw these guys without motorbike helmets because of my experience. I went, oh, my, why would you not wear a helmet? What's the big deal? It's just this, you know, and I can remember wearing a helmet. It was hot, and it was uncomfortable, and I was like, ah, but then having experienced what the helmet did for me, again, we don't live in fear, but we're not going to be silly. I put my seatbelt on. I wear a helmet if my wife would let me drive a motorbike anymore, but she doesn't. And so if you come next week, be respectful, be careful. That's all we're saying. Don't beat others up over the pastor said, you're not supposed to live in fear. Uh, consider them a weaker brother. They're in a process. Let's respect people at the different places that they're at than us. Let's not have any fights driving up, screeching on your brakes, getting out of your truck and coming back. Talk about the guy that's tailgating you and let alone there's a little bit of a log in your own eye because you're only going 50 in an 80 zone. But in conclusion... Three little kind of points. Fear clouds our reasoning and it can choke out your faith. Isn't that true? And let me say, is there going to be fear in heaven? Is there going to be anger in heaven? Is this who God is? Is that stuff coming from him or is it coming from something else? Really be careful what's driving your decisions. Anger, anger is a secondary emotion. And we need to really ask God, what's the source of my anger? What's the source of my fear? Uh, ask God. Uh, don't be afraid to ask him. Where's this coming from? And number three, indifference or reluctance. I, I will say it's mildly okay. Uh, I hope you have a little bit of healthy fear. Just be aware that over time, it will take a toll on your spiritual health if you don't come back to church. And we will look a little bit more in three weeks about that, how God has designed the church and how it's supposed to function. And in these times, for a time, we have adjusted as best we can, but in the long run, we would have to do some more adjusting, more deeply, because we need to be together. It's the way God has made it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've talked about fear 
And there may be some today that are still very filled with fear. Oh God, would they be able to ask you what the route to it is? Oh God, would they be able to ask you what cautions they do need to take? Would they be able to stop the verbal, uh, intellectual arguments that come spilling out of fear? And would they experience your peace? Your peace, your healing God. And those that are angry because, well, it could have a historical root in a controlling parent. It could have a historical root in even some generational stuff where they had a family member in a, in a country that was uh, trying to shut them down and control every thought and word they said. And, oh God, help us see the root to our anger and help us to lay it at your feet, Jesus. For if we're having angry thoughts and angry feelings, and if we're filled with fear, I know for a fact this isn't from you. Oh God, let your peace overwhelm us. And to those people that are very content to stay home, may they feel a bit of a gentle nudge and challenge. And may they say to themselves, me going to church isn't completely about me. It's actually about the others. And I need to go there and be safe. And I need to be respectful of other people but I need to be together in the church with other people. So God, just let truth reign and be with us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.